Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats, and we have a great guest for you today. About to join me, shortstop rookie sensation for the Houston Astros, Jeremy Pena. We're going to talk about his career to this point, how he got to the big leagues, and some of his best moments from this year. Playing in Fenway Park, walk-off home run against the Blue Jays, and a funny experience he had with my brother Justin early on in the year. But I can't wait to get to all that. He has been killing it this year. So let's bring him on in now. Let's welcome in rookie sensation Jeremy Pena. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me, man. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. Of course. So, hey, I want to go back and start at the beginning. The the beginning for you and, and your life pretty much. You, you move at a young age from the Dominican to Providence, Rhode Island. What was that transition like for you? I mean, that's a pretty massive life change at, at a young age. I mean, it was, it was, the change was drastic. It was big change from the, from the food to the, to the cold, to the culture. <laughs> the cold, true. I mean, it was, it was it was tough. It was tough. You know, you can't really go outside and you know make friends because you didn't speak English. So it was true. Just baseball, baseball, and then back to the house. What was the the change like for you in terms of the baseball scene? Like, I'm assuming at that point you were already playing baseball, and you go from a kid playing in the Dominican to American playing in Providence. What what was the change in baseball scenes like? Um. I felt like younger kids in the Dominican Republic took the game a little bit more serious. Mm-hmm. So when I came to the United States, you know, probably nine, 10 years old, felt like kids were just going to the ballpark to, you know, just spend time with their friends, you know, have fun. But the Dominican, you got nine and 10 year olds going to the ballpark, thinking about being professional baseball players already, you know, because that's, that's all we know in the Island, you know? And then it's funny because my first, my first tryout, Mm-hmm. I get there and they put me at first base and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't play first base. Like I play, I play shortstop. Like, and I didn't know how to communicate that to the coach. Cause I didn't, I didn't speak English. So <laughs> I played, I played first base my first season. <laughs> That's great. Uh, did you play with any, were you playing with anybody in the DR that ended up becoming a big leaguer or that, that people would know? Uh, I did not. Uh, my friends, when I was nine, ten years old, a couple of them signed, but they got released pretty yeah. early in their career. Um, but when I was 13, 14, I would always, 
and uh, got a couple practices in with Gregory Polanco and Starley Marte. Oh, my cool. cousin was a, my cousin was a shortstop in the summer league over there, so I would go to all his games, and I got to hang out with all those guys, and it was pretty cool. That's cool. So now you know you, you end up in in Providence, and uh, your your dad was a former big leaguer himself, and played six years in the majors with you know the Cardinals, with the Indians at the time, and had. A, a good career. What have you learned from your dad throughout this process of you playing baseball and coming up and getting drafted and then playing Major League Baseball? What have you learned in your baseball career from your dad? I feel like with my dad, I've always had, thanks to my dad, I've always had like a step a step ahead with the experiences that I was going to go through because, mm-hmm. you know, going into pro ball my first year, he would pretty much told me what to expect and what mentality I had to go in with and how to deal with the struggles because they're going to come. It's baseball, you know, baseball is hard and how to stay, how to stay level, you know, good days, bad days, how to show up the next day and, you know, compete. And I always felt like he's always been a big help. You know, not a lot of people have their mentor and their idol, someone they look up to inside their house, you know, and he's always a, he's always a call away and, you know, it's a big help. That's really cool. Was he always – I always wonder this with with dads that played at the highest level and then they have a kid that's playing. Was your dad like a very hands-on approach in Little League or was he kind of let me just sit back and let my son do his thing? I'm surprised he didn't say, hey, my son's a shortstop. Don't put him at first base. <laughs> I felt like early when I was younger, we would, we would practice a lot. You know, he'll take me to the park and – hit me ground balls, you know, throw me BP. And then as I kind of got into college, he kind of, you know, backed away a little bit and just let me build, forge my own path. And, you know, it's, he, he's great. He's never really put pressure on me to, to be a big leaguer. You know, he always yeah. told me, hey, just work hard, have fun, and enjoy this thing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful yeah. career. So I, I do want to talk about your career a little bit leading up to where you are now. You know, in, in 2019, you participate in the Arizona Fall League, uh, and and you struggled a bit there. It didn't go great. The Your career to that point had gone well in the minor leagues, and then you play in the Arizona Fall League. It doesn't go great. Then COVID hits, and there's no season, no minor league season. So your next move was to play in the Dominican Winter League, where you killed it. How How cool was it? One, playing back where it all started for you. But two, to what did you take from the struggles in the Arizona Fall League to then having success in the Dominican Winter League with a bunch of big leaguers, former big leaguers? The competition there is great as well. So what was the difference for you from where you struggled to finding success? Uh, I would say it was that offseason. You know, after, after the Fall League, I did have an opportunity to play winter ball in the Dominican. They actually mm-hmm. uh, called me to to join the ball club, and that's the most baseball I had ever played. And I played yeah. low A, high A, uh, Arizona Fall League that year, and I was I was drained, you know. And uh, you know that that off season, I took upon me to to get my body right, you know, to play a whole year, you know, get my body ready, my mind ready to play a whole year. Uh, spring training, I got to join some of the big league guys. You know, I talked to them and. I felt like that gave me a lot of confidence. You know, we didn't play that year, but 
still when the, the season got canceled and, you know, we all went our separate ways. You know, I, I remembered, I learned from those guys, you know, worked on the things they told me to work on. And that gave me a lot of confidence going into the, uh, the winter ball. Yeah. So the, the tricky thing about the Astros organization for you at the time was one of the best shortstops in baseball, if not the best shortstop in baseball, was there ahead of you? Was there ever talks or conversations amongst yourself and the brass of the organization to move positions at any point? Or was it always, you're going to play shortstop until something changes? So my focus was never on who, who was ahead of me or who was playing shortstop in front of me. It was always just about improving every single day. You know, mm -hmm. I just... One of the things my dad told me, and I'll bring it back to my dad, is, you know, whatever level you're in, whatever level you're at, just control what you can control. And that's your preparation. You know, just prepare as best as possible for that day, for that game. You know, play hard and then do it again tomorrow. Don't don't try to focus on things you can't control. You know, I can't control the organization making moves and moving players. And, you know, that's yeah. that'll just drive, drive me nuts. You yeah. know, so... The focus was just, uh, you know, have fun. Have fun with the guys wherever level you were at and, you know, play hard. So you didn't end up playing that year, obviously, because the minor league season got canceled. But you got to be in spring and you got to be around a bunch of the guys. And that was that was big for you in your career moving forward. But at, at the time when Correa was still there, what are some of the things that, that you learned from him? Being, you know, having him... Uh, at shortstop, the same position you're playing, you're there in spring training. What are some of the things you learned from him being around him? I mean, Carlos Correa was was great to me. He was a tremendous help. He was a mentor to me. Um, like I said, he pulled me aside one day, you know, and uh, in spring training, we went to catch ground balls. He, he brought me with him and we were just chatting it up. You know, I started just talking about life, getting to know each other and uh, where are you from? Where do you sign? Blah, blah, blah. Your girlfriend has a family, you know? And then we started talking baseball. He just told me, hey, just do the little things right, you know? Focus on the details and practice, you know, take care of the ball, good throws, because it, it translates to the game, you know, in the batting cages, you know, focus on the little details, you know, try to square up every single ball because that lowers your margin of error in the game. You know, you your body forgets how to not do it. So, yeah, just focusing on details. He has said um, that post-World Series, you know, the Astros' last World Series game ends, and he has said that shortly after heading into that offseason, he reached out to you and said that in all likelihood, this position is yours. The, the future of the Houston Astros at shortstop is yours. How important to you was that conversation to kind of just – Put your mind at ease because nobody knew what was going to happen in that offseason. But for him to reach out to you, how important was that? I mean, it shows it shows who he is as a person, you know, because, you know, he didn't have to do that. You know, he could have he could have kept that to himself. And yeah, he reached out to me. He told me, hey, go to winter ball, do what you have to do, get ready and come ready next year to compete for a position because I think you're going to be the man on this team. So. You know, I took that with me to win a ball, worked on the little things, and uh, showed up ready to compete in spring training. And and that you have. You know, this this season has been 
awesome. And look, if anybody in the world understands having big shoes to fill, it's it's me as well, you know. And I, I wasn't able to do it, and wasn't able to make it to the highest level and and have that success. You know, I made it. You know, played five years professionally in the minors, but didn't get to the level you're at. Now you're there. The season starts. Obviously, whether it's on your mind or not, there's big shoes to fill, and you've been doing incredible. And you've been you've been playing well at the plate. You've been playing good defense. Was that something on your mind to start the season? Was there any added pressure, you know, in spring training to start the season? Like, man, I need to get off to a good start. Or was it truly and honestly not a thought in your mind? I'm going to be honest with you, probably in spring training, I thought about it a little bit more than I did when the season started. I felt like the players did a great job of coming up to me and telling me that I had nothing to prove, just be myself and uh, play your game. You know, you are Jeremy Pena. And, uh, yeah, that gave me a lot of confidence. You know, That's these awesome. guys showed that the players around me, they showed that they believed in me and they they, they believed that I was going to be a key piece to to this to this team. So, uh yeah, that gave me a lot of confidence. There's a lot of leaders on this Astros team. There's a lot of all-stars, reigning AL, batting champions, and MVP. This lineup that you're a part of is riddled with superstars. Is there anyone that this year has sort of taken you under their wing and just you know helped mentor you throughout this season and, and give you some tips along the way? They all have. <laughs> oh, that's cool. They all have in their in their own ways, you know. Some of the, some of them I talk, you know, more about approach. Some of them I talk mechanics. Some of them I talk fielding, you know. But they all, you know, put in their grain of salt into into me, you know. That's and cool. uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. I feel like I can go up to any player and ask them for advice, and I know I'm gonna get a genuine response. What is the best to this point in the year? The best piece of advice that you've gotten that that you think about and take with you every day. Jose Altuve, first day in Anaheim, he said, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And also, just show up the next day and put the work in. So I take that with me. Well, you know, you started a, yes, it's a marathon and it's been going well. But if it was a sprint, you would be winning as well. Because that game in Anaheim that I was there for, you got your first hit, your first home run, your first three-hit game. And probably the best part of that game for you was that you got to talk to me after on the field. I'm sure looking back, that was your favorite part. But how cool was that night? Looking back on it, now that it's done, it's over with, you got your first hit, your first home run. When you look back on that night in Anaheim that all that happened, what do you, what do you think about? What are the memories that you'll hold close to you? I mean, it was it was surreal the way everything just unfolded that night. You know, from the first hit to the first home run to you know three hits, and then to top it all, my parents were being interviewed when I hit my first home run, Crazy. and now I have that video that I could just watch at any 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 time. You know? And it gets me in a good mood. You know, it was it was awesome. You can't write that anybody. Yeah. How how cool was that moment? After the game, you got off the field, you get dressed, the game ends, then you finally get to see your family. How awesome was that, man? How cool was that conversation when you finally got to talk to them? I mean, it was, it's a moment I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life. I mean, 
my family was there, you know, friends from back home were there. Uh, and it was, it was awesome. And know uh, it was, uh, that's when I felt like I was, I was there. You know, it was when I got my first hit, that's when I was like, damn, this is, this is real. When you, so when you end up, you you move on the Astros, you know, win that series, the season's off and running. And then not too long ago, you guys got to play at Fenway Park, which is close to home for you. Quite literally, it is close to home. Night one, night two, you're playing. What does that pass list look like for you? How many family tickets do you have to get at Fenway Park? Believe it or not, the first day, the day I did not play, yeah, we had 110 people there at the stadium. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't leave, I didn't leave any tickets. Like they all got their own tickets, you know. They they bought the tickets like a month ahead or because they knew we were coming up, and uh, it was awesome. The second day, we had probably like a, around 40, 40 people, and that's the that's the game I played, and it was awesome. It was awesome to see the familiar faces from high school, you know, friends you haven't talked to since, and it was, it was pretty cool. So before we move on, and I have to say this, because a lot of people probably don't know this, big leaguers have to pay for the tickets they leave. You still have to pay for the taxes on the tickets. So you didn't leave tickets because if you're leaving 100, your entire big league check for the year is going to be wiped out. <laughs> I'll be playing I'll be playing for free. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be playing for free. Hey, how is how is this possible? And I was wondering this hearing that. So you grew up not far from Fenway. But is it true that your family hadn't been to a game at Fenway Park before? No. And believe it or not, I went to my first Red Sox game in 2018. How was that possible? The Astros were playing the Red Sox in the playoffs. And that was my first year, my first year in Pro Bowl. And I went, I went after, after the season. And, uh, but yeah, we never did. We always went to the AAA and all the Paw Sox. That was a big thing for us. You know, I got to watch all those guys before they went to the big leagues, which which was pretty cool. That's awesome. Fun fact, I was at that game. Whichever one you were at in the 2018 playoffs, Astros at Red Sox, I was there as well. So if, if you're going to experience Fenway for the first time, how awesome was it being there in the playoffs? And the playoff atmosphere there, and when Sweet Caroline comes on, I mean, it, it gives me goosebumps being there. <laughs> I mean, I walked in with my my Houston Astros gear, and <laughs> everybody was just chirping me <laughs> the whole way to my seat, you know. But you know, I stayed strong and I kept my hat. And uh, yeah, we lost that game, but uh, you know, I stayed strong. Yeah, you should have told him, hey, in, in a couple of years, I'll be hitting homers over that monster in my first game ever playing at Fenway. So that would have that would have put them in their place. Did you end up signing? Did you go out there and sign the the monster? I did. I did, did you did you sign next to any cool names? Like, is anybody cool around you? Babe Ruth. <laughs> what? That's sick. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that to the grave. You know, no one can tell me that's not Babe Ruth. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, so heading into this season, you know, it's kind of an interesting one for you. You're a rookie. Um, you had never played in the big leagues, but what were some of the goals? you set your yourself that you that you put on yourself heading into this 2022 season so heading into the season i would say my 
well, every season, my goal is always to stay healthy, you know, play the whole year, um, and then prepare, prepare for the games. You know, I don't really set number goals because I catch myself chasing. Yeah. And I start chasing numbers, chasing numbers, and then when you don't see yourself stacking up, you kind of get down. And I don't know. So my goals are always just prepare for the game as best as possible, and I'll play hard, show up the next day, mm-hmm. stay on the field. And, you know, do what you can to help the team. It's funny you, you mentioned setting number goals because when I was in the minors, it, it, and it's not easy to not do that. You always want to have certain numbers along the way, and I would always keep that in mind and want to perform to a certain number. And that makes it tough because when you start struggling, when you go 0 for 4, and then it turns into an 0 for 8, every time you're walking up to the plate, you see the scoreboard right in front of you. You know your numbers. You see them start ticking down and down and down, and it can get in your head. It can become mental. How have you, throughout your career, dealt with that? Even though you're not numbers-focused, when you start struggling, what have you done to stop it and to not let yourself get bogged down mentally? Because it was so difficult for me to do, and I wasn't good getting out of those funks. So I was just focused on separating you know, separating my bats, you know, separating pitches, separating games, uh, separating my defense from my hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, always trying to play a game within the game. You know, if that day I'm 0 for 4, you know, then I'm going on defense and someone else is going home 0 for 4 because <laughs> if I didn't get a hit, you know, I'm going to take away your hits as well. So <laughs> it's uh I don't know. Like, I always just play little games within the game, you know, have fun with my teammates. I was, I'm always big on, you know, just have fun, enjoy it. This is a beautiful thing and uh, show up the next day and play hard. So every, it's like every at bat, you're 0 for 0. It's not 0 for 3, I got to hit, I got to get a hit in this last at bat. It's every at bat is a new opportunity. And I know it's easy to say that and it can sound cliche, but it's not actually easy to believe that. And when you're 0 for 3 at the plate, to go up there with that same mentality that you've had the first couple of at-bats and not pressing to get a hit. It's not easy, right? Right. And uh, it's funny you say that because a couple of years back, I don't know how long ago it was, I was in the minor leagues and Bregman had like a like a YouTube channel where he would go through his day and he would mm-hmm. you know, just talk, talk to the people. And he said that he always went up to the plate with the mentality that he was already one for one. You know, in most games, when you start the game one for one, you end up getting one, yep. one or two hits, you know. So I thought about that, and it, it's true. You know, when you go up to the plate, like you're already on top, then everything else is gets a little easier. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I like that a lot because it, it is true. And I feel like every, every good game that I had professionally, it started with one for one. There weren't many games where I would go 0 for 1 and then wind up with a three-hit night. And it's not just because you start running out of at bats. It's because mentally, if I was 0 for 1, I was defeated heading into that next at bat. If I'm 1 for 1, well, then your mentality's on top of the world and nobody's going to get you out no matter what. So it's interesting. I wish 
maybe I need to restart my career and go back and start every game as if I'm one for one and things will turn out things will turn out a little bit better. <laughs> you you played in uh did you play in uh Tri-City in your minor league career for the Valley Cats? I did. My first I, year. I I played there many times and there was always this guy sitting behind home plate that would just scream Vamos Gatos the whole game. Was he still there <laughs> when you were playing? You're still there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so this season, man, it, it it really has been cool, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. Did you imagine the start to this year and your and your wildest dreams? Could you have imagined it being like this, or has this whole season for you kind of felt like a dream, like a pinch me moment, and you just want to just keep on trucking? A little bit of both. You know, it feels like. I know what I'm capable of. You know, I know the the work I put in. I know the preparation that goes into every single game. But at the same time, you can't control results. So when, you know, you're just playing, having fun, and you look up, and then you keep putting your head down and keep focusing, then you look up. And that's the way I kind of go about it. And uh, just just have fun, play hard, and let everything else take care of itself. Yep, I like that. So recently you guys played in Seattle and there was a picture, I think Julio posted it on his Insta story or something. You guys were out getting a haircut together. How did that how did that friendship come come to be? When did you guys cross paths? That's my man, Julio. We uh we were teammates in the Fall League. Oh wow. We were we were on the same team in the Arizona Fall League and then we played against each other in uh winter ball. So we we we've kept in touch, you know. We had a we connected in the fall league, you know. We we kept in touch ever since, and uh, it was pretty cool to to play against them, you know, and make our debuts the same year, and it's awesome. Hey, what, so you go you go up to Seattle, and I know what y'all do. You spend the day together. You ain't got a haircut. You go get frozen yogurt after and eat some chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> did y'all spend that whole day together? We kind of did. We got the That's haircut. Cool. You know, we spent uh, most of the day in the in the barber shop, you know, talking to the barbers and you know, just just chatting it, chatting it up. And then we went to get some food. You know, we got some wings. We kept talking there, and then he dropped me off back at the hotel. So. How cool has it been? Uh, obviously, we we know what you've been doing so far this year, but I didn't. I, you guys are clearly really good friends, and it didn't start off as good for Julio, but now he's off and rolling and, and we are seeing how good he is and is going to be for a long time. How, how fun is it watching him play, whether it be on TV or on the other side of the field when you're playing him? I mean, there's no, there's no doubt that Julio is going to be a superstar in this game. Yeah. I mean, he, he does it all, you know, he does it all. And, uh, it's fun to watch, you know, it's fun to watch. We, uh, we feed off each other, you know. We push each other, and uh, it's it's fun. It's fun to yeah, watch. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, are you guys are you competitive with each other, or are you like competing against each other throughout the year, like trying to one up each other? Not really, not really one up, you know. But we, uh, you know, if we need something from one another, we'll call each yeah. other up and ask for you know, advice or whatever it may be. You know, it doesn't have to be baseball related. You know, it yeah. could be life. You know, it's cool to to have someone like that. Earlier this year, not too long ago, you you hit a walk-off home run against the Toronto Blue Jays. How cool was that, man? How awesome was that moment? 
I mean, it's probably my my debut, and then the, the walk off right under it. You know, it was a uh, it was a great moment, and uh, it was a blur. It was a blur at the moment when I when I hit it. You know, I didn't know the ball was over the, the fence. That's why I was running so hard. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking inside the park from the jump, and then uh, it went over the fence, and it was. When my my teammates greeted me at home plate, it was it was awesome. Had you ever had one before? Had you at any level hit a walk off home run? So my first walk off home run was last year in AAA Sugarland, mm-hmm. and that was a game of first as well. That was my first multi hit homer game. Oh wow! And that was my first walk off homer game. So before that, I had never hit a walk off in my life. So that was that was pretty cool. That's crazy. So you you finally the ball goes out. You realize it goes out. That jog around the bases from the moment you knew it went out and seeing your teammates come home and and greet you there and just wait for you. How special was that? What ten seconds of of in between time? Like were you able in the moment to kind of soak it in and appreciate what was happening? Not really. I was running way too fast. That's what they, <laughs> that's what they told me. They was like, hey, you got to give us time to get to home plate. You know, by, the, <laughs> by the time I got to home plate, the whole team wasn't there because I got there so quick. <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny because if you look up the video last year when I hit the walk-off home run in AAA, it was the same thing, probably a little bit faster. And there were probably two teammates at home plate waiting for me. <laughs> And then everyone else just cares. Like, yo, you ran to whole plate way too fast. Like, you gotta give us more time to get out the dugout. But uh, it was it was awesome. I that's still got funny. the pictures, and that's uh, pretty cool. That is really cool. You got to get that framed and and put it in your house and have that forever. That's awesome. Um, sure. How special is this Houston Astros team that you are now a part of? Because you know you see good teams, you see teams be good for a year or two. There's something different going on with this Houston Astros team. They've been to five consecutive AL Championship Series, multiple World Series, and the team is elite again this year. And now you you get to be a part of it. How special is this team and this organization? For sure. I would say I'm blessed to be here, but I'm also blessed to be part of this this team and what the team has been doing in the past years I mean this team is special um you know it's fun to show up every single day with a team that expects to win and uh yeah. we we expect to win every time we step on the on the on the on the field and um yeah we, ex- we expect greatness and yeah. we want to be part of that all right I got a couple few fun questions for you before we wrap up the first of which would be excluding Houston taking out Minute Maid Park what has been so far your favorite stadium to play in? Oof. I'm a big fan of Seattle. I'm a big fan of the the Seattle and their stadium and the Toronto Blue Jays. Those are two of my favorite right now. It's wild, man. I feel like 75% of the people that I have on this show and my brother as well has said that Safeco, or you know, formerly Safeco, now T-Mobile in Seattle, is 
one of his favorite places to play. What is it about it? Is it just like how nice it is, the amenities, or like what is it about Seattle? I felt like the fans, the fans were pretty into it. Uh, the the plant surface, uh, it was a little cold, so it gives it that little character. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and I, I like it. I like it. So far, who has been the toughest pitcher that you have faced? And it might, it might not even be a big leaguer yet. It could have been a guy in the minor leagues. In your life, who's been the toughest pitcher that you have ever faced? Framber Valdez. <laughs> <laughs> when did you what spring training uh, yeah i faced him uh covid year so the year we uh we didn't have a season you know i got a couple live abs against framber and uh he made me look foolish and he still holds that against me to the day. <laughs> so i gotta I, I had to face him a couple more times the you know the cool part about that is he makes a lot of people look foolish so you, you can't take that one too too personal. All right, so a follow-up question on toughest pitcher you've faced. Is there a pitcher out there that you can't wait to face? Somebody you can't wait to step in the box against in your career? Framber Valdez. I need to get Framber before I leave this baseball season. You know, I want to I face Framber. That's funny. Hey, but once you get Framber... Then you're never going to want to face him again. My brother, I have faced him one time in my entire life. I'm one for one with a homer, and I will never face him again in my entire life. I promise you that. Uh, that's, a, that's a good way to go out. That's a good way to go out. How cool was it for you, and obviously Framber's the answer for you on both sides of this, but your first big league game, you got to face Shohei Otani, who... We will forever remember, you know, when all is said and done and, and we're old and gray, we're going to remember what Shohei is doing right now. And we'll remember that forever. How, how cool was it facing him and, and your debut? And I guess also how, how nasty is he on the mound? I mean, his stuff speaks for itself. You know, that guy's gross, you know, not just what he's doing. I mean, he's not just pitching and hitting. He's doing both at a, an elite level, you know, superstar level, which is, it, you don't see that. You know, you don't see that. So, uh, facing Shohei in my debut, it was, uh, like, I was already in a surreal state. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just being there. And then you see Shohei on the mound, and it's like, it just adds to that. And it was, it was <laughs> awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. That's cool. You can't even get the experience of just, all right, my first at bat, I got jitters. Oh my God, this is crazy. You have to look up and see Shohei Otani out on the mound. And you're like, okay, well, like, what is my life? That had to be the thought going through. What is life right now? Man, it was like, a, like hey, welcome to the show, kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, all right, if you could put together the ultimate BP group with you and four others, so a group of five, who would it be? It could be your best friends. It could be some of the greatest players of all time. It could be guys you think are funny. But if you could put together your ultimate BP group that you get to be a part of, who would the other four guys be? Ultimate BP group. Oof. From the jump, Manny Ramirez, my favorite swing. You know, that's the my favorite, one of my favorite players growing up. So he's definitely in that group. Um, 
Oof. Ichiro Suzuki. Love that. I, mean, I got hits. And all, I got <laughs> So, who else? You can, put your boy, you can put your boy J-Rod in there. I feel like J-Rod will bring, you know, he'll bring character into the group. He'll be the, <laughs> he'll bring the, the vibes, bring the vibes to the group. Wait, follow-up question while you think of the last person in this group. I was recently talking to uh, Ty France on the Mariners, and when I asked him about Julio, he said, I need you to come and be his babysitter. So what's going on with Julio that he needs a babysitter? Is that just his personality? He just has a lot of fun and just plays the game loose and is a is a character. He's just a fun guy, and uh, Julio Julio's a fun guy. You know, you got to give it to him. But when he steps on the field, like as you've seen, he he plays hard. Yeah, you know, he knows how to have fun, but he knows how to play hard at the same time. You know, he doesn't take this game for granted. Yeah. So I, I think that's what makes him so good because he plays loose, but at the same time he plays hard. So absolutely, that's there's why, something. I think that's why he's so good. There's something to be said about being able to play loose, but then like turn it on as well. It's you, you know when you get all tensed up, it's it's the worst. It's the worst feeling. All right, you've had your time. You got one final name in your BP group. Who are you going with? One final name in the BP group. I'm going with. Probably Mike Trout. Yeah, I'll yeah. put Mike Trout in that group. Yeah, That's a good answer. Sure. You, you can't go wrong. Mike Mike Trout's on my like Mount Rushmore of baseball when all is said and done. So uh, imagine that. So you your first your first game in the big leagues, your first series, you get to go against Mike Trout, who obviously is going to be one of the greatest of all time, and Shohei Otani, who is doing things that we have never seen before. Did you did you get to talk to like? Trout, when you were warming up in the outfield, running like, did you get to talk to him at all that series? So I got to talk to him when he got to second base. He uh, he just told me, "Hey, you know, welcome, and you know, have fun, play hard, welcome to the show." And it was it was pretty cool. You know, he's bigger, he's bigger in person. <laughs> really big, guy, just thick. Yeah, he's thick. He's strong, man. <laughs> it was, it was cool. Same thing with Otani. You know, Otani is a big dude. I know. I yeah. I got to meet him at the All Star game last year, and you don't realize like how tall and how he's like massive. It's he's like larger than life. All right, so that's that's pretty legit. You got Julio, Mike Trout, Ichiro, Manny Ramirez, Jeremy Pena. That's a pretty cool BP group. For sure, for sure. That'd be a that'd be a good vibe. (laughs) A lot of homers and good vibes. Who's got the most pop in that? You got more pop than anybody in that group. See the thing is, I can't, I can't compare myself to those guys. The only person I can compare myself to there is Julio. You know, you can't really put your your name with those other guys. So, <laughs> you mean you I'll don't want to say I'll you be, have more pop than Manny Ramirez yeah, or Mike Trout? You can't, you can't say. It, you can't say. It, so, uh, Jeremy, this is this has been a blast, man. One final question for you, and I like asking guys this because you've made it, man. Your your lifelong dream of making it to the major leagues you've accomplished if you could have a word or a a statement of advice for kids coming up playing this game for for people that want to get to where you are right now what would that advice be 
So what I would tell them is, you know, there's don't expect immediate results. And I would just work hard and don't don't work hard expecting results for tomorrow. You know, play play for the long run. Just put your head down, work hard, and uh, when you look up, you know, you're gonna be where you wanna be. So don't expect don't fall in love with immediate results because that's a that's a trap. You know, that's not that's not real. That does yeah. not happen. That's awesome, man. Hey, wait, one more before we wrap up. I just thought about this. So my brother is back, 39 years old, comes back from Tommy John. Everybody knows how like intense he gets on game days. You got any stories for me? You're playing shortstop. Justin's on the mound. You're scared to even look at him a certain way. Any funny stories? So I had that experience before we even got on the field together. You know, my first day of spring training this year, you know, I'm getting uh, COVID tested. Mm-hmm. And he's there as well, waiting for his results. You know, we kind of just sit next to each other. We're the only ones there. And he just started asking me all these questions, like trying to like know who I'm who I am, you know, like trying to see where my head was at. And I was so nervous. Like, <laughs> you know, I didn't know I didn't know I didn't know how to reply to him. But uh he said, you know, I answered some of the questions right and uh he was excited to to play alongside with me and uh work towards the same goal, which was winning. So it, it was pretty cool. So who's the tougher Verlander brother interview, me or him? <laughs> him for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I hope this isn't near as intense as that one. <laughs> Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me, man. This has been a blast. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of you and your game, so keep killing it this year. Good luck the rest of the way, and come back on whenever you want. You're forever a, a friend of Flippin' Bass Pod, so thanks for hopping on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ben. Of course, man. See ya. All right, I wanted to thank Jeremy Pena for joining me. What a blast of a conversation, and kudos to him for absolutely killing it this year when he had some big shoes to fill heading into this season. But thanks again for joining me, and thanks to all of you guys for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, wherever you listen to your podcast. Rate it five stars. That really helps as well. We're also on all social media, at Flippin' Bats Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and every episode, you can watch the video on YouTube as well. But thank you all. I will see you on Thursday for a live episode of Flippin' Bats. Until then, peace out, my friends.